You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Joining us now is Jake Lisko. He is co-host of the Locked On Bengals podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Jake Lisko. And first of all, Jake, thanks for coming on the show. Congrats on having the top-ranked podcast on the network currently. Top 20 football show on Apple Pods, which is something for a team-specific podcast. Like we're, we're taking on the big dogs here on the Locked On Podcast Network with team-specific podcasts. You don't see too many of those on the, the top of the charts. It's awesome because our network's consistently the highest ranking in those NFL team-specific shows, too, according to That's Apple awesome. Podcast Charts. So that's really cool. And you're leading the way this week, so well done. Real recognize real, right? Locked on 49ers. <laughs> you guys are up there all the time. I know this isn't the Locked on 49ers show, but Brian Peacock, I know, high performing on his own team specific podcast. So well I done, fellas. Yeah, some high performing machines here. So basically, what I wanted to do, Jake, today is give you about 10 minutes here to explain to the listeners why the Cincinnati Bengals are so much better than the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. <laughs> Is Matt, like, did he sign off on this? <laughs> Matt, Matt didn't know. This is an ambush. I, I uh, recognize what's going on. Well, the Steelers, I mean, that that's this whole, whole its own whole can of worms, I'd say. But the Bengals, we can, we can talk about them in a vacuum, I think. They finally get the signature win, right? And maybe it, if they don't have five missed field goals in a row against the Packers between the two teams, we're talking about this you know, after the Packers game instead. But instead, uh, here we are after week seven. And the Bengals at five and two, I think, fair to say, have exceeded the expectations of most. I, I think there are probably some particularly ravenous Bengals fans who would say, honestly, that they saw this coming. But there are a few reasons for this, right? And one of them is, I think, after the first two weeks of the season, Joe Burrow's recovery has really taken a step and in the last few weeks in particular I would say that he's leveled up a little bit and a big reason for that of course as everyone's talking about this week is Jamar Chase is ridiculous and better than I mean I thought he would be good right I was one of the people who said take the wide receiver this draft aligns well to get an offensive lineman in the second round Jackson Carmen, who they picked in the second round starting to play a little bit better but Jamar Chase I mean you, you cannot say enough for how he's transformed this offense, whether it's the the work he's done vertically, particularly in the last two minutes of the first half when he seems to every week come up with a big play that gets the Bengals either points or in position to score points, or what he did against the Ravens, which featured some back shoulder stuff on vertical balls down the field on the sideline, but also incredible work after the catch and incredible work beating Marlon Humphrey off the line of scrimmage, who's the best corner he's played. So, you know, if you want to point to things, those are the most obvious things. And then the other big thing that I think national media are rightfully talking about this week is the defense is also leveled up, and that's this whole conversation as well. Yeah, you know what, Jake? I haven't always been super kind to Coach Taylor over his early stint here with the Bengals. Had some questions about the young coach. But I want to give him some credit. I don't know if you guys talk about this much or not. I'm sure you do, but... I, I think it's a really smart coaching move that with a second-year quarterback coming off a massive injury, the start of the season, 
They played very slow, ran very few plays, ran the ball a very high percentage of the time. Now, Burrow, as you mentioned before, is looking great. He looks very healthy. The knee's not a problem. He's out of the woods. Now they're throwing a ton, playing fast. And the other thing they've done is early, Taylor's first couple of years in the league, they were like at the very top of the league in 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three receivers. This year, they've gotten a lot heavier with 12 personnel to help the line a little bit. Uh, Azoma is going crazy. I always pronounce his name wrong. He's going crazy as a result, too. So they've done some things on offense that have really worked out. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned C.J. Uzama. He, the Bengals' social media today posted a whole video of C.J. Uzama telling national media how to pronounce his name. That's hilarious. <laughs> Someone told timing. me on Twitter how to do it, and I still think it's that <laughs> uh, Yeah, you make a good point there, though. I, I think it's, it's interesting because early in the season when they're running a lot, Joe Mixon was 100% healthy. He sprained his ankle a few weeks ago, and I think that they've been protecting him a little bit, and that's yeah. potentially part of the reason they started throwing the ball more, but... Against the Ravens, you can see that Joe Burrow is is comfortable in the pocket again. And the first two weeks of the season didn't necessarily look to be the case. Uh, you know, there's this spin move left that he's doing to try to escape pressure, and it wasn't terribly successful the first couple weeks of the season. But I think he's moving much better in the pocket. And against the Ravens, it's some of the best pocket movement you're going to see from a second-year quarterback or from any quarterback. In the NFL, in my opinion, managing his blocks and and buying himself extra time and, and getting throws off in time, like the pressure to sack ratio, which the first two weeks of the season was at 40% against the Ravens was 7%. And those are PFF numbers. So first two weeks of the season, Burrow was not dealing well with pressure. Since then, has been much better. And against the Ravens, it was like a magnum opus, a coming of age, uh-huh. a, a leveling up. Or, or whatever you want to call it, of his ability to feel like himself, I think. Because at LSU, this is something I think we all thought he did well in the pocket and, and manage that and, and still be very accurate in those muddled structures and create when he's moved off the spot. So you make a great point that, uh, you know, against the Ravens, they they use split back personnel to, to block out a shotgun instead of just going empty when the Ravens showed six, seven rushers and it paid dividends with, their ability to to just read inside to out with the tight end and running back in the backfield instead of trying to sort and deal with a hot rusher every single time Joe Burrow's dropping back because the Ravens brought six so many times. Yeah, the, those Bengals, man, they really made believers out of Matt and I and uh, to the point where uh, I never expected I'd be doing this is I've picked up the Bengals defense in our Peacock and Williamson Fantasy Football League. And I even put a little bit of fab budget in on it because I wanted to have their D, especially yeah. this upcoming week here. So I think the Bengals are for real. I think they're going to, obviously, they've got a really good opponent here to uh, continue that streak and continue that momentum. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, Trey Hendrickson, I wasn't sure about that deal. I wasn't sure about Jamar Chase. Everything I wasn't sure about is turning out gold for the Bengals. Um, can you talk a little bit about the defense, Trey Hendrickson, as a free agent signing? And is there anything maybe that that you're worried about going forward with this Bengals defense? Could they even maybe, maybe go shopping next Tuesday before that trade deadline? Yeah, uh, great questions. I think the... You make a great point that these acquisitions that the Bengals made that on paper, like, ooh, I don't know. Chidobe Awuzie wasn't very good last year for Dallas in that new defense and battling injuries. And suddenly he's playing like a top 
I don't know, 10 ish, five ish, depending on who you ask corner in the NFL, like playing really good football, even against Devonte Adams, who's going to get his and got his against the Bengals and those one-on-ones, I thought Jadobe held up pretty well. So uh, there's a free agent acquisition that maybe isn't getting talked about as much. Trey Hendrickson certainly is and has been a good pass rusher. The Bengals, I think, have realized that he's best suited as a pass rusher. The last two weeks have been hiding him a little bit more in run defense, which is something interesting to to keep an eye on. When they first acquired him, they talked about he's going to be an every-down guy. We really like his ability as a run defender, but really what he's been doing is like straight-up replacing Carl Lawson, who everyone in the offseason thought was the better edge player. Of course, Carl Lawson got hurt. I think Carl Lawson's a fantastic player, but Hendrickson has certainly replaced that production. Now, the rest of the defensive line, while it's very good and very sound, and the interior defensive line, instead of playing guys off the street like they were doing last year, features guys that are some of the better run defenders in the league. DJ Reader having a fantastic season. I think the best nose tackle in the NFL. You don't talk about nose tackles very often, but he is the reason that Logan Wilson has taken a step this year as a run defender, right? And Logan Wilson, the, the second-year middle linebacker, has taken a massive step for the Bengals in their defense. So the the trend you might be noticing is I'm talking about guys at every level in previous years. You wouldn't look at a Bengals defense and say they have at least a guy at every level. And I think they have multiple, but hmm. the one thing that they could probably use a shot in the arm for, if this is something they're interested in doing at the trade deadline is I would try to explore the edge rusher market. I have no idea what's available there, but their third round rookie, Joseph Osai, who got off to that incredible start in the preseason and looked like he was going to be an integral piece in the Bengals pass rush this year. He, you know, he he's lost for the year in the preseason after that game with a torn meniscus and repair. And so while they have one guy who's creating for himself and Trey Hendrickson more than I expected he would, they don't necessarily have the the other guy that's consistently creating pressure. They have other guys that are, you know, playing great contain against Lamar Jackson, for example, doing their jobs, containing rush lanes and getting cleanup sacks that way because the defense is working very well together in concert. Lou Anarumo is drawing up some really creative pressure designs to dictate protections, uh, but they could use the other guy. So when they rush for, which they like to do, they can win a little bit more consistently because that is something I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it just hasn't because they're playing good team defense. Jake, the last thing I have for you is on the defensive side of the ball too. And my last question, I kind of mentioned that I haven't been super kind to coach Taylor the last couple of years. Well, I haven't been super kind to the Brown family for about 30 years, especially with their spending, but you kind of mentioned it. I mean, it's two off seasons of going out and getting defensive reinforcements and it's really starting to come together. And unfortunately, we didn't see any of it last year because everybody they went out and bought got hurt. So just terrible luck last year. And I, I don't think that was reported enough. The smart fans, I think, realize that Jesse Bates is a star. But I think the, the smart fans need to realize the guy you mentioned, Logan Wilson, is very quickly becoming a star. And the Bengals have been looking for a linebacker forever. Yeah, I mean, since Takeo Spikes and Brian Simmons, right? right, They they, they got a few years out of Vontez Perfect in the middle there for for better or for worse, depending on, you know, what team you're a fan of, I guess. But uh, yeah, Logan Wilson looks like a guy. Akeem Davis Gaither in a situational role. They're using him in coverage downs. The other linebacker they drafted last year has 
I think, taken a bit of a step this year. He's like exclusively being deployed as a coverage backer. They're playing a lot of three safety sets with Ricardo Allen, mm-hmm. who goes back to Purdue with Luana Rumo. So those two guys have a, a longstanding connection. And Von Bell as well. I mean, all these free agents that they've brought in have, have been playing these situational roles and these rookies that they've brought in, like Logan Wilson, like Joseph Osai, like Cameron Sample has been a a viable role player out of Tulane for for the Bengals sure. this year, getting a lot of sa- uh, a lot of snaps because Joseph Osai is hurt. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you, you I think credit the Brown family and and credit Duke Tobin for getting some free agency moves right for you know after the first draft where Jonah Williams falls to them and is kind of a gift and you know fits a need as the best player available. They've done pretty well for the most part in the draft as well. And so the the team building part has really come together. The patience for the head coach, which in the off season, you know, every Bengals fan remembers Shula and remembers that, you know, this Brown family has a habit of giving coaches one too many years. Well, in this case, it looks like the, the extra year of patience is paying off. And and this coaching staff has really coalesced around finally having their own roster top to bottom and getting guys that have bought in, to their system and it's paying dividends on the field. So certainly give them credit for all of those things and and the changing of the guard, establishing a ring of honor, Elizabeth Blackburn, the granddaughter of, of Mike Brown, convincing Mike Brown to put in a ring of honor, which he's resisted for years. That was a huge win. I was at that game. It was a fantastic ceremony to recognize some of the team's history. So not just on the field, but off the field as well. And some of the things they are doing for the game day experience and to recognize what fans have been asking for, I think you do have to give the family and, and ownership a little bit of credit there as well. That is Jake Lisko. He is the host of the podcast that covers maybe the one seed in the AFC in 2021, Locked On Bengals. You can catch that show every single day, just like every show right here on the Locked On Podcast Network and on Twitter at Jake Lisko. Jake, appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. You know, this Get Upside app is pretty cool, an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside, my listeners, are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. I downloaded it. It works. It's really cool. It tells you what gas stations are partners and promo code TOUCHDOWN. Get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. Really easy to use and you don't have to pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside just download the app for free and use promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank some people who drive a lot are making as much as two three hundred dollars a month in cash back and there's no catch the cash back gets added right to your account cash out anytime uh, to your bank account paypal an e-gift card whatever just download the free get upside app and use promo code touchdown what do you think, Matt? Uh, Bengals, is this a one seed? Do, do, do they uh, do they need a little something else maybe at the trade deadline? Or is are they for real, for real? And is this a team that could roll in and have a bye in the playoffs? I mean, it's wow. it's been so long, right, for the Bengals. I, it's, it's hard for me to believe, even though what I'm seeing is is you can't not like what you're seeing. And, and Jake just laid out a lot of reasons why. Yeah, I got a couple Bengals nuggets and um, – I don't know about buys and playoffs and things like that. That's 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 pretty high praise for where they've been. And th- this is the one thing I wanted to mention is if you've noticed, and 
you know, the Bengals had the first pick in the draft a year ago, took Joe Burrow. The year before that, the Cardinals had the first pick in the draft, took Kyler Murray. Well, those teams currently are both the one seeds in the AFC and NFC. Mm. You know, like that is a massive transition from being the worst team in the league, having earned the one seed, not like you traded up and gave a ton of picks. You were the worst team in the league. So I'm talking to you, Jacksonville fans. You know, you get your quarterback, <laughs> you get your Lawrence, your Burrow, your Kyler, and the transitions can happen pretty quickly, you know. So uh, I think that's noteworthy right now. And the one thing I didn't really talk to Jake about, there's actually two things, is, and I've been really stressing this too, and it's not something any of us know for sure. And I'm not taking any away from Coach Taylor, but I just think Burrow's presence, competitiveness, you know, his team is really rubbing off on these guys. Oh, yeah, it's clear. It's clear having yeah. him from the start, even as a rookie, and then now healthy in year two, it's Joe Burrow's team. I mean, it's it's clearly Joe Burrow's team there. And what's what's funny about this with the Bengals is every like it seems like every week there's a team. There's It was the Chargers, you know. Uh, it's currently like the Bengals and the Cardinals. But every time you think you know who a team is, right? Okay, here we go. Here's the team, the Bills. Then they lose a game. So it's like, are the Bengals going to now go lose in New York to the Jets this week? And then we don't know what the hell to think again, because that's that's just the the trend that's been going on with these AFC teams this year. Yeah, that's. I meant to say that too. Like, I'm not sure I'm ready to say, oh, they're getting a bye, they're winning the North, all those things quite yet, because the AFC, every time we've said that about a team, and Tennessee's maybe in this mold too, that maybe we shouldn't like, get ahead of ourselves quite yet. I mean, they all seem to come crash back to earth as soon as we get super excited about them. So um, we'll see. I mean, obviously they're very much going in the right direction and I did want to call out ownership. I mean, I've really thought this was one of the worst ownership groups of my lifetime and just very cheap and frugal and, um, you know, sticking with coaches too long because they don't want to pay two at the same time and things like that. And so I'm glad we brought that up, but, you know, Jake brought up the Bengals ring of honor. And I remember two years ago, I do that Steeler show and, you know, the Bengals were coming to town and they had just released their 50 best players ever. And my co-host from the Steelers podcast or radio was, you know, we pulled it up and frankly, we kind of laughed at them. It was like Anthony Munoz. And then they had like Doug breach in the top. They had a kicker in the top 10 and, you know, <laughs> Ken Anderson and Boomer Esiason. And I mean, they've been around a long time to not have, to only have one Hall of Fame player, Munoz. And, you know, obviously they've ran into some good players, AJ Green and Geno Atkins and, you know, you know, some of these guys. But all in all, like, we were kind of joking, like, man, I don't know that anybody but Munoz would be in the Steeler Ring of Honor. You know, like the Steelers' 50th best guy would be like their. 10th best guy you know i mean so history and star power just hasn't been there for these guys i'm hoping that changes it's it's really i mean it's a fun year too because what's going yeah. on in the afc especially and it's Bengals, raiders titans that's your top three seeds right now in the afc and then there's so many good teams behind them and kansas city's 11th right now behind indianapolis and new england and they're all three and four records it's crazy that pittsburgh steelers are eight at three and three right now they they yeah. win just by having a bye basically and, and you know then you got the chargers and ravens and bills who we all think and the browns we all think is going to be really good so this is gonna be fun down the stretch in the AFC. 
Yeah, I, I think the AFC is a, a total cluster right now, and it's going to be really fun every step of the way. You know, I mentioned the Colts look like they might even, you know, compete for a spot. They look like they were dead. So I know we have some carryover Twitter stuff to finish up the show, but I got one thing for you. Okay. And you might know this, and you'll go, oh, man, okay. Or I might make you really sad. So I heard this today. <laughs> Your boy, Mike Singletary, remember his stint with the Niners? I do. He once pulled um, down his pants in front of the, the team to prove a point. Yes. Not, the, not a glorious run as the Niners head coach. Definitely not. Needless to say. His winning percentage is better than Shanahan. Oh, yeah. I, I have not heard of that one. That's, I have not heard that, that one. But That's Sadalchi. Yeesh. Yeah, I could I could hardly believe it. I was like, wow. But I guess it's true. And I'm not picking on your Niners. I just heard that nugget, and I had to throw it out there, and I hope I didn't ruin your day. No, it's okay. That's a good one. I want to pass that along to my listeners on Locked On 49ers because, yeah, it just goes to show you how this team is four out of five years not played very well under Shanahan and you know early yeah. on they gutted the roster so you understand why they get to the Super right. Bowl and you think okay they're here they're gonna win for years and it hasn't been the case since then absolutely absolutely and this kind of made me think of the Bengals and Cardinals and these teams that have not been putting wins together and I heard that nugget and I'm like I gotta tell BP that one I mean it uh, it's, it's a little bit of eye-opening you know like man uh, after a while we can't excuse injuries and rebuilds and these things anymore you know so right. Are you surprised there you there's the there's a little nugget from Seth Wickersham's book that came out yesterday um, about the 49ers turning down an offer of a second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo on draft day before the Patriots knew that they were going to end up really? with uh, Mac Jones. So even then, with the Niners moving up and knowing they are going to draft a quarterback and the Patriots knowing they had an opportunity maybe for a quarterback like Mac Jones to fall, they apparently were still interested in maybe trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. And the 49ers said, no, we want a first-round pick. I mean, that... In hindsight, it definitely looks awful. And even at the time, you're going up to get a quarterback. You're yeah. going to pay $26 million for Garoppolo for the season. The Patriots are like, hey, let's make this even. Give us that second-round pick back that uh, – oh, we'll give you that second-round pick back that you gave us for Jimmy G a few years ago. I I'm blown away that they turned that down. I hadn't heard that till now either. We're both dropping knowledge on each other here. <laughs> I mean, I can hardly believe it. I mean, to be very honest with you, because like you said – they gave up all those picks, so they needed to reimburse the the pick bank. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And there was an opportunity to do so. And obviously, there's some hindsight involved. They would take a second pick for Jimmy now in two shakes of a lamb's tail. I mean, in a, in a second. But also, you would have got that money off the books. You could have went and got some quarterback for $4 million a year to hold down the fort or teach Lance and go do other things, too. So, like, you would have gained in a lot of areas. And there was there was talk in the offseason that the 49ers were interested in Andy Dalton. I think maybe there was a plan for the 49ers to do that, but they didn't like what was out there in the stopgap quarterback market at that point. And free mm -hmm. agency was kind of over at that point. So that's probably why they didn't want to do that because they still thought they were going to win. And I still think they can win. They still have a pretty good roster, but they got to figure some things out. And what's funny is they're going against Justin Fields and those Chicago Bears this week who ended up with Andy Dalton. Yeah, I mean... I guess it's easy for me to sit here and criticize right before Halloween. Oh, you should have made that deal. You don't know what you're talking about. But, I mean, in the preseason, I picked the Niners to win an awesome division. I picked them over on win totals. I thought they were a Super Bowl contender. So, it just hasn't gone that way. It has not. A huge disappointment right now. And 49ers fans are starting to point the finger at the guy up top, Kyle Shanahan. 
right now. Uh, and, they could probably uh, get Singletary back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's good. That's good. All right. Uh, a couple of leftover questions from yesterday's Twitter mailbag. A good one here about some rookies, including or actually excluding Jamar Chase, who we talked about earlier next. The NFL season moving along quickly. The NBA is back. NHL, we've got playoff baseball and a new web interface at betonline.ag with even more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season, pro and college football. Some, some fun lines here this week. We just talked Cincinnati Bengals. Is 10.5 enough points for those Jets who are hosting the Red Hot 5-2 and two Bengals this week? I'm not so sure. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. Not only football and basketball and everything else going on in sports, there are your favorite Vegas casino games at Bet Online. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Promo code locked on, Bet Online, where the game starts. Paranormal Pumpkin, Coconut Marshmallow, Rocky Road, and maybe my new favorite flavor of Built Bar, Blueberry Muffin. You can find all the standard flavors, all the standbys. And new flavors filtering in all the time at Built.com. And oh yeah, 15% off a box of Built Bars with promo code LOCKED15. Built Bars are high in protein. They are low in calorie, low in sugar, low in net carbs. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and covered in 100% real, 100% delicious chocolate. You have to try these amazing bars for yourself to believe it. It's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. A lot of protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. Built Bars are soft, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. And, of course, you can get 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. This question from Joshua, he says, we all know Jamar Chase has been lights out. But how do you feel about the other first-round offensive weapons that were drafted in 2021? Mm-hmm. Kadarius Toney, um, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Pitts, Najee Harris. Have those picks paid off for their respective teams? I think so. I think Tony. we just saw a very tip of the iceberg what he could do. And frankly, I didn't love him coming out of school. Um, but man, when I saw him in a Giants uniform... I spent all my fab money to pick him up, but he's been hurt. But I think he's going to blow up the second, as soon as he gets back on the field. So that one was a shock to me. Pitts has just emerged as a special, special player. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this earlier in the week. I mean, he's the dynasty number one tight end. I mean, he is a rare player, and as is Chase. I mean, they're special top picks in any draft they come out and are at least living up to the billing, if not more. Um, I have no complaints with the Bama receivers. I mean, I think they're both kind of as advertised. I don't blame Waddle for this. I blame the offensive line more, but I would like to see him getting a, a, a higher A dot, you know, a little higher down the field usage as opposed to, you know, Rondell Moore type usage. But right. I think that's more of the circumstances he's in than the player. Smith's a really good one. It's not in a great situation. And Najee's been great. 
I mean, trust me, I see him all the time. He's been phenomenal. Yeah, I think I think all of them are a thumbs up at this point, and you usually can't say yeah. that most years. So, interesting class. It is. It's pretty good. I mean, and a little fantasy note: I traded for Javante Williams yesterday. I think the second half of the season is going to be really good for him too. I mean, he's not a first rounder, but he's an early second. Everyone was slamming the Bears for not playing fields earlier in the season, but at this point, the poor kid just looks like he's getting killed. This one uh, also from Joshua. He gets a double dip here because he tweets such good questions so frequently to the program. Uh, He says, do you feel like you and the rest of the media misscouted him as being more pro-ready coming out as it pertains to Justin Fields? Maybe in a way, and I know this isn't what he asked, but I want to throw Zach Wilson in that conversation as well. And maybe I'm just being optimistic with Wilson, and I don't wish anybody to get injured, but I think this time away from the game from Wilson and now Flacco showing up there maybe is exactly what he needs. And, I, I, you know, we mentioned Dalton. They also have Foles. You know, could that be what Fields needs as well is just to get off the field you know, practice heavy and really study film and then go back in a month or so, maybe. The thing about fields, first of all, they don't help him enough schematically or, you know, the line, you know, like the the fact that Allen Robinson catches like one pass for 13 yards a week is criminal and in a way is kind of coaching malpractice, but their line's not good. They're not running fields and that's obviously by design. That makes no sense to me. But the thing we saw about Fields, and it's kind of an Ohio State thing, it's a big Haskins thing too, he's a real see-it-and-throw-it passer, not an anticipatory guy. So he's thinking, he's holding the ball, okay, he's open, now I'm going to throw it, and he's not processing fast enough. I'm not saying he's dumb. I mean, it's just different quarterbacks do things or are, are, are different that way. Some guys are see-it-and-throw-it dudes with rocket arms like Fields that never had to be an anticipatory guy behind a great Ohio State offensive line. And that's where he needs to improve, in my opinion. Maybe I didn't process that well enough when I was looking at him as a prospect. It's funny because most Bears fans are happy to hear that Matt Nagy is on the COVID list and might not coach this team. Like that's they're they're ready to move the heck on from Matt Nagy after seeing what's going on. It makes you feel bad for Mitch Trubisky because um, there's it's there is a lot of it that's on fields. But when I watch those Bears games, man, I, he, there's plays where he does get it out quick and yeah, there's yeah. drops from his checkdowns. That I mean, he's getting hit instantly. He needs to I think help with protections or somebody else the center or you know somebody else needs to help him with protections to get those uh, blitzes blocked up. Um, the offensive line is just bad period, even aside from getting beat by the blitzes. So uh, there is a lot contributing to that right now. And when you go back, you talked about it earlier with Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray, those teams weren't competing for, you know, one seeds when those quarterbacks were rookies, you go all the way back to Peyton Manning, who led the league in interceptions as a rookie. His team was three and 13 year two, he's 13 and three, you know? And then, so um, it's not new. We're seeing it with Wilson. We're seeing it with Fields. I don't think the evaluations are necessarily wrong with any of these guys. And look, the Jaguars aren't winning either. That's just a team that needs help beyond quarterback and rookie quarterbacks that have a tendency to struggle in the NFL. And I don't think it's a it's a problem. I think they'll get learning reps. And I think there's a really good chance that all those quarterbacks come back next year. And it's like, oh, crap. Okay. These guys are for real. Yeah. And... 
I'm a big fan of Shiokopedia's work with, with The Athletic, and he's very analytically driven, but he also watches tape, and he's just good at his job. And this offseason, he did a real in-depth study of what's the average season for a rookie starting quarterback. And, of course, there's Dak and Herbert and some guys that are really good in their first year, you know, Mayfield for most of that season. But overall, on average – rookie starting quarterbacks basically end up as like the 23rd best quarterback in the league. I mean, that's what people need to expect. I mean, if, if Lance gets inserted for your team, if my Steelers use a first round pick on a quarterback next year, expect to be about the 23rd best quarterback, which means there's a lot of 25s, 30s, you know, like where Fields and Wilson are now. This is not unusual is all I'm saying. Not unusual at all. And those are the best of the best prospects that are allowed to right. play as a rookie, too, that are that exactly. are ranking that low. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, um, you know, Dak's the exception to the rule as mm-hmm. a, a mid-round guy that plays right away. But most of these dudes are Lawrence. You know, we talked about Kyler, Burrow, super early picks, often with bad teams, too. It's not all their fault. Right. And Dak and, um, and Russell Wilson both playing early in their careers because they proved they were ready and they weren't forced in. And a lot of these first round picks don't have the opportunity to prove they're ready first in anonymity before they're, you know, thrust into the starting quarterback job. That's a really good point. And I'm also glad you brought up Trubisky, which I didn't love Trubisky coming out of North Carolina. He wouldn't have been my pick that early, but I bet he's one of 32 starting quarterbacks next year. A little Tannehill action for Trubisky. Right, right. Get that step. Winston, go go for a team that is well-coached and spend a year behind a guy and, you know, th- th- no expectations, and then go be the Steelers head, you know, quarterback next year or Washington. Or, I bet he's in the mix somewhere. Fantastic stuff. Uh, thanks again to Jake Lisko for joining the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening and making us your first listen every day back tomorrow. Start looking ahead to that week eight schedule game tomorrow already wow oh yeah we've already got football week eight let's go keep it going (laughs) good one too this trade rolling all right a couple other notes tomorrow as well the deshaun watson trade is it imminent now tuesday is come and gone trade was supposed to be done is it done behind the scenes and some quotes from nfl head coaches being asked about the usc job and how different some of their answers are that plus week eight previews thursday night football coming up tomorrow right here peacock and williamson